It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the April 6th edition of the Flowtrack Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike, coming to you once again from my home in Austin, Texas. The same is true for Gordon Mack. Gordon, how are you today? Doing good. Another day, another week. Uh, keep, keep grinding here in the trackless, sportsless, basically economyless world. <laughs> the email is still active fortunately enough flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com send us your thoughts your questions your concerns your criticisms gordon we got a text from kevin this weekend saying a couple people reached out to the email saying when was shoe king dropping on netflix they couldn't find it because we told them it was going to be on friday Uh, i think we fooled some people yeah here's some of the emails we received from people Hello, just finished your podcast reviewing the Nike docuseries and noted Netflix did not add it to the lineup as was intended on April 3rd. Any feedback? Mm-hmm. I won't call who that was. And then another one responded, any update on when we should expect the Netflix documentary? I thought I understood you say it would be available on Friday, April 3rd. I haven't seen it yet. Keep up the good work. So, uh... Well, I just would inc- yeah, encourage those people to keep searching. <laughs> And make sure you type it out. It's Shoe King, Miles, Millimeters, and Mischief. Make sure you have all of those words spelled right. Every day, just search it. Maybe reach out to Netflix, you know? Just ask them when that's going to be dropped. Yeah. For those who are just uh, tuning in today's episode, we did a a very fun episode on April 1st, five days ago, Mm -hmm. uh, where we made up a fake documentary called Shoe King. Uh, If you need some entertainment for an hour, I suggest you listen to that or watch that pod because... Uh, we go down crazy rabbit holes on coming up right. with this fictitious documentary. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. Right. It was fun. Uh, last time I talked to you was when we were making up fake stories about Nike. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, the best April Fool's joke is one that's believable, and that certainly was believable. I would have hoped that when people saw the image of a shoe uh, set in front of a... Uh, jail lineup card that they would have or like those height things that they would have 
realize that that was fake. But, you know, people want to believe anything these days. And everyone's a little stir-crazy. And everyone's binging every show that they never previously had time to get to. So people were excited for it. I would have been excited. I mean, if that was a real documentary, especially the way we described it, I mean, that would have been... That would be very, very entertaining. Yeah. We did have a little bit of news that happened over this past weekend, right? Did you, did you see that? Wilson Kipsang, the former world record holder in the marathon, was arrested for not keeping curfew. What were your thoughts on that? Well, it's been a tough couple months for Mr. Kipsang. Uh, I, I've lost track of time, but you know, previously he got busted for, oh gosh, hold on. I'm going to have to look. What, what, what happened with Wilson Kipsang a few months uh, ago? You know. He, did he have a positive? Uh, he was banned. I'm sorry. I, I got I to gotta read this. What, what, oh, it's a where about failures and tampering. That's right. So that was back in January. And now in a totally different call, totally different story, he's, he's breaking curfew during, during the pandemic our, our our man Wilson is having trouble following the rules. In a way, uh, it's another where. Listen, we all want to have fun. Yeah. Right. It it the guy can't keep track of his time or or the rules or where he needs to be. He's it, you know people say, uh, he's he was in the the wrong place at the wrong time. That's that's Wilson Kip saying at all times right now. I don't know. I mean, that seems like a little unnecessary to like publicize that and. But I guess he's famous in Kenya, and that's going to make news. So it'd be like LeBron James, like, you know, I don't know, like trying to play basketball with a bunch of guys. And, and you know, that would make news here. So I I don't know. It's, I don't know. I kind of just ignored that story. But it's something. I guess it's track related. That yeah. When that qualifies as the biggest piece of news, you know that no nothing is going on. Like, that is literally the biggest piece of news right now yeah, in the track we, world. We, we can't ignore that story. We need that story. That story is our... A headline yeah. of the week uh, in times like this. So. Yeah, but yeah, yes, whereabouts yes. Hopefully there's, hopefully there's other stuff going on this week. Hopefully it's positive instead of I guess you call that negative. But we've reached April. It's Florida Relays Week. I've heard there's not going to be any Florida Relays this week. I don't know if you've heard that, but I think the meet is is canceled. Yeah, well, the meet would have happened last weekend, but for okay, we are, we're we're talking about Florida Relays this week. So that's there you go. There you go. I don't I can't keep track of schedules. Anyways, we've done enough intro here. I thought of a topic for today's show and it would be some of the biggest, maybe the biggest what ifs of the last few years in track and field. Maybe if some outcomes had been changed, if some injuries didn't happen, if some athletes would have made one choice for an event as opposed to another whole bunch of things that I thought it'd be fun to run through and kind of debate since we are well basically we have all this time for hypotheticals I mean we we've never had time previously to just discuss all these weird scenarios but now we have that time yeah I live for hypotheticals I love thinking about what Mm -hmm. if how what would change what not change and uh yeah I like not thinking about what actually happened I like thinking about what could have or won't happen Exactly. That's why I thought of this. I was thinking of you when I did it. So my first one, what if Wade Van Niekirk had not blown out his knee in a rugby match in late 2017? 
what would be the outcome? What would, would he have run a faster world record? Would the world record be under 43 seconds? How many matchups between him and Norman would we have had thus far? Would he be challenging Lyles in the 200? There's a lot there. Um, what, what are your thoughts in that regard? If Wade Vandenkirk had never had a catastrophic injury. So thinking about this, I think it, I don't know if we would have seen a better Wade Van Niekerk, but I do think if he was on the track in off-year 2018 and on the track during the 2019 World Champs, he would have, like you said, pushed our current top 200-meter runners and our current top 400-meter uh, runners. Uh, the 400, I feel like, wouldn't have been affected as much based on what happened in the 400 because we didn't get to see the... You know, Michael Norman throw down an incredible fast time at the end of 2019. I think Wade Van Niekerk probably would have won the 2019 title because Steve Gardner ended up winning it. I think Van Niekerk healthy would have been heavy favored. It would have been a Van Niekerk versus Norman setup. And then with Norman not being healthy, we would have just saw Van Niekerk run away with it over Steven Gardner. So the 400, I feel like the result would have just been kind of like, okay, yeah, Van Niekerk wins over Gardner. I think the 200 would have been the interesting one because I think it would have pushed Lyles to go even faster, in my opinion. I think there was really no mm. one in Lyles's, you know, wheelhouse all of 2019. He dominated every time he ran 200. I mean, Norman challenged him a bit in the Diamond League 200 a couple times, but... I think if Van Niekerk was in there running consistent 19.8s, 19.7s, and Lyles knew he had to show up every single time, uh, I think we could have maybe seen... We for sure would have saw a faster Lyles at the World Championship level because, let's be honest, Lyles kind of just like jogged his 200 final because he just was just so much better. Um, maybe we would have saw... I don't know if he jogged it. I don't think he has a good... Yeah, I don't think he had a good race. I think he... He had to fight for that win. He just yeah. didn't have a good race. It, yeah. it just wasn't a good time. Well, yeah, by, by, jog, yeah. by jog, I mean he wasn't – he didn't need to be his best. That's what I meant by jog. He didn't need to be his best because right. the competition just wasn't there. He didn't need to show up the way he would have to show up for like a Diamond League race against Norman. He just kind of was like, okay, as long as I can get through it, I'm 95% chance of going to win this race. You know, so – but yeah. I think if – fresh Van Nieker, or not fresh, but like a healthy Van Nieker was on that start line, Lyles is going to go to that start line in an entirely different mindset, and maybe we would have seen a maybe a 19-5 in the world final, which would have been more fun, I guess more entertaining. So I just think the, the what-if would have been a faster Lyles. That's what I think the what-if would have been. Yeah, I don't know if it would have impacted the 200 that much. I, I, I threw the 200 in there. Obviously, he ran that distance and is a pretty solid 200-meter runner. I really was thinking it more through the prism, obviously, of his primary event being the 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 400. Um, I think we would be having more conversations as of, of Niekirk as, you know, the greatest, the greatest of all time over even Michael Johnson just because he would probably – decent chance he could have – another 400 world title from 2019 since it ended up being quite attainable without Norman running away with it. Still a fast time uh, because what uh, he, Gardner ran 43, 48, 
but I just think this obviously takes away a big part of Van Niekerk's legacy. You know, he's going to miss 2019, obviously miss 2019, and then 2020 is a wash. And in 2021, you know, he's going to be 28, 29. He may be past his prime, and that's why he, with blowing out his knee, he could have jeopardized the last, you know, two two three years of his prime and you add in people are talking positively about the pushback for him the pushback of the olympics as a as a thing that allows him to get healthier listen he blew out his knee in 2017 he should be good to go and he had a couple good tune-up races in south africa before kind of racing stopped and the sports world stopped but i think it's actually a negative thing and kevin has voiced this on his podcast that He's just had so many lost years of what would have been the tail end of his prime. I, I think blowing out this knee prevents him from being the greatest of all time. And Michael Johnson, yes, I know he has his world record and, you know, he's run very, very fast and he's a great 200 runner just like Michael Johnson was. But I, I think that's what's going to be the ultimate tale of his career. When you combine the injury and the postponement of the Olympics, this kind of takes away his chance at being the greatest 400-meter runner of all time. Now, he had the greatest 400-meter race of all time, but I, I, I just think that the the full body of work is not as strong as Johnson's. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know if having... I mean, I guess technically, yeah. It, I think that he really only misses out on a, on a 2019 uh, championship run, but in a way, he is also missed... If he, you got to think that if he has a fresh knee that he's going to look at 2019, 2021, 2022 as like more prime. He's still he's still going to have to work his way back into top 3 potential level like uh so yeah, I don't think winning 2019 would have made him the greatest of all time. It would have been winning 2019 and then going on a run and winning two of three maybe yeah. of the next three. So I yeah, yeah. then you would I mean, have to be like, yeah. I just don't think I mean, then, a- listen, there's still a, yeah, there's a chance he still can. Like, he could be good at 29. He could be great at 29, and he could be back to his level. I don't think he'll ever break his world record again, but, you know, he could, if he's in the f- below 43.5, he can still win world titles, and there's still a chance for him to, to I guess, surpass Johnson if, if we're having a supposed race between these two guys of different eras, but... To me, I think that's what the injury ultimately will will do is 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 prevent him from reaching that mountaintop. All right, so let's move I do have on. One thing. One, one thing one, okay, go one ahead. If about we might have potentially seen a relay with Casper Semenya and Wade Van Niekerk in a mixed relay four by four. Yes, uh, for a multitude of reasons that did not happen in twenty nineteen. Not mixed with. Uh, Casper Semenya losing her case to Cass. Yeah, go ahead. Could we have seen them run that? Was it the two by two by four hundred? Were they? They could have been the greatest. I mean, when that they they would have dominated that. There's there's little doubt to me that they would have dominated the two by two by four of which. What did the team of did the team of Donovan Brazier and somebody else win that? I I I can't even remember. World relays last year so long ago, and honestly, who cares about a two by two by four? But. I know. I, I when it, whenever that event was announced, I I picked Semenya and and Van Niekerk as my dream team there, and absolutely. I mean, right now we're all talking about the event we missed the most. 
the two by two by four, and of course <laughs> the mixed four by four relay. Everyone is like, what am I going to do 2020 without those events? It's devastating. So, That's Carl Lewis. No, 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 I know. that. It's a circus show, those events. Yeah. Circus act. They, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, those, those, uh, they would be the stars of that. Okay, I'm going to move on to my next what if. What if Justin Gatlin didn't choke in the Beijing 100-meter final at the World Championships in 2015? So by that I mean what, what, do, what would we say about him and about Usain Bolt if he would have won that world title in 2015? How would that have changed the, the tra- trajectory of his career and Usain Bolt's? It would have, it would have been a crazy internet reaction. The amount of anger that people would have with the poster child Bolt losing to the two-time convicted uh, drug offender would have just like people. It, it would trigger so many emotions from people who always say the phrase sanctity of the sport or hashtag clean sport or just mm-hmm. all the like ruining the sport the phrase using the word the sport in quotes as a phrase uh as a bystander i would have relished in a shot in Fordia of the fans being very upset because i think that they put a little too much uh weight into certain athletes uh performing poorly or certain athletes performing well as a means of the sport being in the right place. Like for some reason they think Bolt winning in 2015 is going to save the sport and Justin Gatlin winning in 2015 is going to ruin it when really both scenarios, the sport stays exactly the way it is in my opinion. So uh, I would have loved it from a fan point to see everyone get mad because I like seeing people get mad over something so stupid like who wins a 100-meter race. Uh, but right. I don't. I think in the mainstream, it, the legacy of Bolt wouldn't have been that uh, right. ruined because, I mean, he didn't do well in the 26th. Uh, it, 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 wait, it, it wasn't until 2017. What, what was the year when he lost? 2017, right? That's when it ended, right? Yeah. So I think right. he's a lot – like no one remembers when Bolt – Fall started and Johan Blake won. Like, people don't think about that. Uh, I think the Bolt legacy with that loss wouldn't really be... People would just choose to ignore it, I think. Um, I think Bolt's legacy would have been... Yeah. Wouldn't have changed. Like, we would look at Bolt here in on April 6th of 2020 in the exact same light with a loss in that race or, without a, or with a win in that race. I do think it would look at Gatlin in a different light. Um, it would put more, I think it just, the, the what if, it just angers people. That's all it would do. It would just get people mad. And it would get mm-hmm. people mad Yeah. with no, re- like, it just like, all it is just gets people emotionally mad where they tweeted about it, and then they go on with their day. You know, that's all it would do. It wouldn't have Well, I remember effect, at the time you know? being, yeah, I remember the time being in Beijing, and people were writing when the matchup was, you know, because... That season in 2015, Gallon had been running incredible. You know, he had run, I think, 974 at pre. I mean, he was just raring to go from the beginning of the season. And obviously, he was being very much criticized, uh, both in the U.S. and abroad. You know, there were things like Meats didn't want Gatlin 
running running there you know he was everyone's called him a two-time drug cheat which i you know is fair he's served two bands uh but there were articles in the lead up to the the race it was like basically a a good versus evil type of a matchup and it was people were pinning it as the you know the race to save the sport if bolt wins the the sport comes out looking good and pure and if gatlin wins it's the it's the complete opposite of that and in the race gatlin should have won he had a lead and then he as he says his arms got flaily whatever whatever that means i mean he kind of lost control i think he lost his his focus uh it would have been really interesting to see some of the horrible takes and i think that would have been the primary thing coming out of that would have just been the pr crisis of track riders not really knowing how to handle it and and uh people making excuses for why bolt would have lost uh you're right in thinking i don't think that it would have tarnished bolt's legacy in a way i almost feel like it was good for gatlin to not win because people saw some human side of it if if, if he would have won it was like the evil guy winning even though if, i don't think that's necessarily deserved but yeah, I agree. I don't think that would have hurt Bolt's legacy. Maybe he retires sooner if he loses that. I have no way of knowing that. Maybe he just goes to Rio and then and then calls it a career uh, <clears throat> after that. Because, you know, he's going to follow up in 2016 and try to get back on top if he would have lost that 100. But we saw the effects. I mean, it just swung the pendulum right back into the way of, of Bolt. I mean, not only does he dominate the 200... Uh, a few days later in Beijing, but, you know, he once swept in, in Rio with, with minimal competition, you know, with minimal, you know, he wasn't nearly at his best, but, you know, I think all the confidence, all that momentum carried over into Rio and he, you know, like I said, wasn't in peak form, but he still won double gold. Um, so I think it, I think it changes the hundred significantly if Gatlin wins. I, I think, you know, there's a chance Gatlin goes on a little run and carries that confidence knowing he had uh he had beaten Bolt and was the king of the hundred. Uh and and you know, we may be talking about him winning the Olympic title in, in twenty sixteen if he had not lost his focus. But at that point, you know, Bolt knew he had Gatlin in his back pocket and that carried over to Rio and uh it took him a while, took Gatlin a while to to come back on that and he had to he had to beat a very much not at full strength Bolt in, in 2017 to kind of get the last word. But, uh, yeah, I, I, the sport would have lost its mind if Gatlin would have won that race. Yeah. I mean, it's just so weird how they put all this, like, just, like, track media and even out and track fans just love to talk about everything except the actual event you know they love to talk about you know like this is what you need to do to make the sport better or this is what this is why the sport sucks this is what's great about the sport or this you know it's this person winning means this and it's like as opposed to just being like all right let's break down the race and you know it's like in the nba right in the nba everyone cares more about potential free agency moves than the actual game right that's because a lot of people do, at least. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. Because it's more fun to think about, like you said, hypotheticals. What ifs? Ooh, if Steph Curry teamed up with LeBron James, imagine that, you know? Whereas just mm-hmm. talking about Steph Curry scoring 30 points against the Kings, it's like, who cares? 
And I think the same way we do that in track where we love to dwell in the controversies, the, the doping convictions, the, you know, the, you know, there's like all these side storylines and not just dwell in like, okay, the race matchup, who won and like why they won or why they lost, you know? And I understand like, obviously doping isn't good for the sport. Like, I'm not trying to say that and like, there needs to be a conversation about it, but uh, I think sometimes that conversation is just uh, brainwashing people or blinding people into that's all they think about, and I think they kind of get carried away, and that's my opinion. I mean, but, you know, I know a lot of people disagree yeah. with me on this. A lot of people think I'm crazy to to think that, you know, that... Gatlin winning is not that big of a deal. And some people think, oh, are you kidding me? It's the it's the biggest deal ever because there's so many clean people out there who are now going to be drawn away from the sport because they can see a convicted doper succeed. And, and I just think that, like, hey, like, life is not fair. And there's a lot of things that happen that, you know, there's no, we can't, we can't create a world that's a utopia of, like, it goes exactly how I planned and every time you try to force a utopia uh, world viewpoint on the sport, it's going to come to – you're going to be set up for disappointment because the right people aren't always going to win. The wrong people aren't always going to lose. And you're just going to set yourself up for disappointment. That's what I think. Mm. Hey, hey, you have the right to your opinion. I agree with some of it, not all. There you uh, go. But I've always enjoyed your gap. Your Gatlin that's takes. Just, yeah. That's just great about an opinion. You can agree with some and disagree with other. All right. Move on to another from out, one outrage culture story to another. What if Caster Semenya had not lost her case? Uh, the Court of Arbitration of Sport last spring would have been allowed to compete if the IAA of the World Athletics rules against DSD athletes would not have gone into effect. I think all of us can agree we would have assumed she would have won another world title. Where would the story be, do we think, if Caster Semenya was still allowed to compete? I can tell you she wouldn't be running the 200 as she's trying to do now. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. Where would this controversy be right now? It's a tough question. There's a lot of facets to it. I feel like I'm kind of throwing you a curveball here, but... Well, what would be the state of the women's middle distances if Caster Semenya was still allowed to compete? I mean, I think it'd just be the same state as it was while she was competing. You know, there would be, you know, she would be dominating every race and people would be fighting for second. And I do think there would have been a situation where someone, she has a bad day and someone like Audrey Wilson has a great day and she gets upset. Wow. I think, I think that would happen. I mean... She's not unbeatable. I mean, she was. She got third in the fifteen hundred in twenty sixteen, right? So, yeah, yeah. twenty seventeen. But I think, yeah, yeah. I don't know. yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. she's. It's not like she's superwoman where no matter what happens, she wins. Uh, I do think that you know, great athletes can lose, and I think that that would have been a story. There would have been a story. She would have a streak, and I do think, in. 2019, 20, now 2021, 2022, she would lose one of those. And I think that would be like the big stories. Like, wow, Caster Semenya goes down. And it would have been a cool moment of like, 
it'll be a cool moment of seeing the end of her dominance and like kind of being kind of like looking at like kind of when Bolt lost. When Bolt lost in in 2017, it wasn't like you kind of you were like, all right, this is end of an era, but you kind of appreciated Bolt's era. And they also were kind of appreciate the upsetness of Bolt losing. And I think that would be the same thing on Caster. You appreciate her greatness and then also appreciate the one person who was able to, to like knock down the king of the 800 or queen of the 800 in this case. I do think, yeah. though, I, uh, you can go. Do, what are you going to say? And I'll say what I was going to say. No, I was just going to say, I don't think we'd have a Halimi Nakai of Uganda being the, yeah. the 800 meter world champion in 2019. I don't think Castro was beatable, uh, at least the way she was running. I mean, she ran that Doha Diamond League before the ban went into effect and she won by like three seconds. So I think we'd still be talking about her as the, as the greatest of all time. But, you know, the thing I wrote about uh, at the world championships was kind of the juxtaposition of these women in the 800 uh, being receiving their reallocated medals. And that was Alicia Montano, Brenda Martinez, and kind of, you know, it felt like the IAAF World Athletics was trying to put, you know, someone like Castro Semenya trying to compete, just trying to be herself, whether you agree with it or not. But it kind of felt like they were like putting it on the same pedestal like like as as russian doping cheats and not saying that they're going to strip castor semenya's medals like they did with with russia and that's why martinez and montano were there but it just felt unfair to to not to not have her there and it 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 i don't know i think it track would actually be in a much better space without having to make Castor Semenya a scapegoat. And I understand that she's, you know, physiologically different than track and field, or excuse me, than, than some other women. But I, I think it cast a black eye over, over track and field. And I think the sport would be uh, in a better place with her still in it. Sure, would it, would it affect the chances of some other women getting medals in the 800 and middle distances? Absolutely. But already track had a black eye in it with all these doping, these reallocations. And every day in Doha, there was a, a new ceremony of people getting medals. And that, to me, you know, and I wrote about this, that reflects just as bad, not on the doper, as the dopers as it does to world athletics. But I think when you do that and you have a sport that's been tarnished so much and you kind of have, you, you say, no, this person can't do this and, and this person can't compete because the way they were born and this person, you know, we're going to not even hide the fact that we're specifically targeting them. I think that's another thing of why, you know, track and field is for a lot of people a hard sport to to appreciate and a hard sport to to respect because you know, this is a person that didn't do anything that's not cheating in the traditional sense and uh she uh she's been banned by by track and field. I I guess I don't really know where I'm going with that beyond the fact that I think track and field would be in a better place if if Semenya had won that case and she had been allowed to to compete. Um, it didn't look good that obviously they put this ban on 400 to 1500 for DSD athletes, but because that was clearly targeting Castor Semenya to get her out of the sport. But I, I, I truthfully think the, the, the we, one, we get to experience and, and see someone dominate, which is always entertaining. And I, I also think track and field wouldn't have this 
another black mark against it. Uh, another thing that I think in time, in history, we're going to view as a miscarriage of justice. But that's just my opinion. I, I know you may have a slightly different one. but No, I mean, I, I agree that it, it is better for the sport if she wasn't banned. I just think that if she wasn't banned, it was set up for an opportunity for there to be a David versus Goliath race where she loses. I know she might not have lost in 2019, but like maybe as she got older and, you know, loses a, a step or two, like in 2021 or 2022, that would have been a great moment of like so a newcomer coming in or someone who's always gotten second every single year, like an Ajay Wilson coming in and finally getting a win over her. Like, like we got to admit, like, okay, it's kind of weird now, but like, cause the Uganda athlete won, but imagine another, what if mm. imagine if Ajay Wilson would have won in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. You know that Ajay Wilson, in the back of her mind, that win feels a little weird. Right, because there's a completely healthy athlete who's forced to not run. Right, and so right, you kind of multiple. I mean, we also yeah, yeah multiple, yeah, multiple yeah. athletes, multiple DSD athletes. But you put like there is not going to be an asterisk, but in the back of your mind, you're going to put an asterisk in that in that win. And I think that you don't sure. want to give the competition reasons to have doubt that like did I truly win this or did the IAAF World Athletics, you know, help me win this by changing it out? Like, I feel like if you're an elite athlete at the world level and you've made it this far, like you're there because you're, you love competition. You're there because you don't cut corners and you don't, you know, win by DQs all the time. You win because you, you stop to, you show up to a track, no matter who's on that track to be the best athlete that day. And I think the mindset of a lot of these runners are like, we're not racing everyone that's the best in the world right now. We're only racing like mm-hmm. 75% of the best eight athletes. You know, there's another 25% that they're not letting race us, you know? And so I think, yeah, that's what, I think that those athletes kind of would rather race them. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some athletes who are like, no, uh, I don't like racing someone who beats me by four seconds every time. And uh, I, I can understand, understand that. Yeah, yeah, I can understand their viewpoint, and not everyone is going to think the way I think. And uh, I did have a couple conversations with some elite U.S. women eight hundred meter runners, and you know, their some of their viewpoints were very kind of. They they said like, yes, it sucks. They're like, it sucks either way. It sucks if she runs and beats us by four seconds and we know we can't beat her, but it also sucks if you don't let her yeah. run. And it's like, there's, it's mm-hmm. a lose-lose situation for the competition because, you know, it's like, oh, what, what is the right answer if you are Ajay Wilson? Is the right answer you want to yeah. race caster or is the right answer you want to win without her there? You know, it's weird. Mm. So another ironic thing about the Doha world championships and it was, you know, the first one caster was not allowed to be at, uh, she was one of the athletes who was supposed to be at these metal reallocation ceremonies. I forget which year it would have been for her if it was 2011 or 13, but she like Martinez and Montano was set to get a medal upgraded, I believe to gold, but she didn't show up to that. Just again, shows you the, the, uh, 
how she's been branded by by World Athletics. I just think they've mishandled all of that, and and, and again, history will not look kindly on them. But yeah, of course, the ultimate what if on on the track is that you know we would probably not have a Halima Nakai as the world champion. I don't think it would be a situation where the world record is faster because we've seen that Semenya is basically a machine when it comes to running 154, 155. But uh, yeah, I just think the sport's been robbed of of one of its greats. So anyways, that one's super controversial. We'll move on. Here's a more fun one. What if Kenanisa Bekele this past September had broken Kipchoge's world record in Berlin? He was only two seconds away. Um, how would we view each athlete differently? We would... I, I think if I can... Yeah, I think I can first. say we would still view Kipchoge. Yeah, we would still view Kipchoge as the as the as the best of all time. Obviously, he followed up a month later, not even a month later, a few weeks later, and ran one fifty nine forty in an exhibition. But there would be speaking of asterisk, there'd be a little caveat. I think in any blurb you write about Kipchoge, in being that he's the greatest of all time, he's the fastest man ever. Of course, in real record terms and legal record terms. Kenanisa Bekele is the world record holder. So that's how there'd have to be additional, you know, adenendums in, in, in everything written about it. Any article story about Kipchoge, there would, you would find a mention of Kenanisa Bekele, I think, as a world record holder. So he'd be much, he would be floating much closer to the orbit of Elliot Kipchoge if he had broken that record. Uh, I wondered if the shoe takes would be even hotter at that point. They they were already pretty scorching hot at the time track stopped in the wake of, you know, uh, Nike releasing the Alpha Fly and Cosguy smashing the women's world record. But I wonder if, you know, that would be a thing mentioned in. It's like, these shoes are so ridiculous that even Kenanisa Bekele, who's clearly inferior to Kipchoge, can break his world record. Um, so I think there would be, you know, the takes in all these scenarios, if they went the other way, the takes would be scorching hot and there would all be this debate. But I do think there would be some level of uncertainty around Kipchoge. He still would be the greatest of all time, but there wouldn't be quite this firm, like definitiveness about his his absolute greatness if Bekele had run just three seconds faster. Yeah, and I also think... If Bekele runs three seconds faster in that race, it would make the Breaking 2 event and the Ineos 159 event just feel super, super artificial. Like, no, like mm-hmm. obviously we know that they don't count because there's like pacers, but in some way we would just look at those events as just like circus acts. Like, because we'll be like, who cares how fast he runs here? He's not the fastest. Like, you need, you need to run faster on a real course because that's what Bekele did. And I just think it would make these... Yeah. Like, even though we know it's not an official record, when I was watching those <laughs> two 159 attempts, I was like, he ran 159, right? I didn't, I didn't put a caveat on it because I was like, I don't care because, like, he's already the... Fa- and the reason why I didn't care is because he was already the fastest without the caveats, right? And so I kind of gave him the mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt that the caveats don't matter because without him, he still would be the fastest all time. But now if there was a person who was faster than him with all the 
regulations in a race, these caveats of pacers, of a perfect flat course, of the perfect weather, all this stuff, would be like, oh, maybe that's only why he's fast. You know, and you would start, mm. yeah, you just start questioning his sub two attempts, and you start questioning, like, hey, mate, like, you'd have thoughts of, like, oh, he's gonna run two of these fake marathons. Why does he just run two real marathons and run faster than what, you know, than what Bekele does? I, th- I just think there would just be that, like you said, that weird caveat that. Bekele always has to be mentioned in every paragraph you write about Kipchoge now. Um, yeah. And uh, Kipchoge still has the resume to say that you're the greatest of all time. No, you know, no one's going to take that away from him. But it would make these breaking two events feel more fake, even though they're, I don't think they're fake at all because I think he's running 26.2 miles in two hours exactly. I don't think, you know the pacing with the laser pacing is really that big of a difference because, uh, you know, you still have to move your body that distance in that time, no matter how great a pacing you have, you still have to do right. it yourself. Uh, but I do I don't think, know about that, but yeah, okay. I don't know. I just think that you don't, you can give me pacers and I'm not going to run faster. Like, um, you still got to do the work, you know? I don't know. Let's try it out. I just got a green laser installed in in my Volvo. Uh, maybe we'll we'll stick it on eight minute pace and see how long you can hang. Uh, so you're saying people would be yelling at Kipchoge and being like, "You're a fake loser. You can only run one fifty nine in a science experiment. You're not even the world record holder." We'd be like, "There'd be no GQ shoots." Correct. He would not have a million followers on Instagram. He would not look really cool in a robe, and would he? Would we be calling him the greatest of all time? I mean, you're just like they would call him. A fraud. These three seconds hold a lot of weight for you. He'd be They'd a fraud. A, he'd be a fraud. He'd be like he does. Speaking of which, another documentary events. coming to Netflix. Another documentary coming to Netflix. Elliot Kipchoge, the fraud that never was. Uh, but that's what they want to be like. Yeah, hey, man, run fast at a race that matters, not these fake circus races. That are paid for by Ineos yeah. and Nike. I mean, I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm using hyper, hyperbolic statements, but I think that yeah. you know there would be an asterisk. The asterisk is already on those two races, but that asterisk would be in bold print now, as opposed to italic print, because of mm. there's another guy out there who literally has the world record, and you can run 159 all you want in Vienna. But you're not the world record holder, right? That's what people would say. You know, so it's like, you know, cool. That's you what people would say. About, you keep on bragging about your relay split in the four by eight. Why don't you go out and run an actual open eight hundred and tell me what you really can run? You know? Hmm. Hadn't thought about that in the context of a of a four by eight. Um you know, as I think Kevin said this in last week's podcast at some point, he's like the three, the two or three seconds between the two world records is nothing and everything because it's nothing because it's the difference between, you know, over the course of the race, handling your water bottles more or less efficiently. And it's everything in the sense that Kipchoge's name is, you know, he's still the unquestioned best ever and he's got all the important records and he's also run 159. Yeah. You'd have to defend Kipchoge a little more. You couldn't just say he's the best ever because somebody could easily come in and say, but 
Kenanisa Bekele's got the marathon world record, and look at what he did on the track. The dude ran 12.37. He ran 26.17. He was a monster on the track in the way that Kipchoge wasn't quite. And he's a faster marathon on a regulation course. We can do fake races all day long. You can be the record holder of running the mile around your couch, and you're not the mile world record holder in the same way that you're not the marathon world record holder when you get a billion-dollar corporation to make you a few lasers and to hand you water and to make you know repave a course. I think some of those takes would be wrong, but we would be spinning ourselves in a blender over this over and over and over again. Uh, but in this world that we live in, now we can just enjoy Eli Kipchoge GQ shoots knowing he's the greatest of all time and, and laughing about it and still kind of – uh, wondering when Bekele is ever, if ever, is going to be able to beat him in the marathon. So those and, those three seconds, they hold a ton of weight. And I think it would have made people think, again, imagine this world where Bekele has a world record. I think people would start thinking that maybe it was Ilya Kachoge's team that started this virus in order to get London canceled so he didn't have to go up against Bekele to lose. Goodness gracious. You know, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm gonna but pre- the, what I'm saying is... Uh, I'm going to pretend like... What I'm trying to say is... Go ahead. The, I was just going to say I was going to pretend to... I was going to ignore what you just said. But yeah, go ahead. But I'm just saying like it would have made the cancel the postponement of this London Marathon hit even more because we would have been itching mm. to actually see them race each other even more. We already are, but if Bekele is the world record holder, that makes that race matchup even more intriguing. I... Absolutely. Yeah. Again, those seconds are very, very important. And uh, yes, I, I, I think so. Maybe conspiracy theories, although I'm, I'm just going to, again, ignore that. Okay. Another one. It's one I just thought of. I didn't have written down. But what if the wide, widespread sports postponements and, you know, the, the omnipresence, unfortunately, of the coronavirus – what if that had hit before the U.S. Marathon Olympic Trials and we had not yet run the U.S. Olympic Trials? I'm thinking multiple scenarios. Would they have moved the race because Atlanta maybe couldn't host it in 2021? How would maybe the team look different? Obviously, that would depend on how what, how and where the race went down. I mean, I'm thinking that uh Abdi Abdurrahman would have been another year older would have been <laughs> further in his mid 40s how would the trials have looked different if they would not have happened and therefore would have been pushed to to uh early 2021 well i think the first thing i think about is the athletes who had a shot who weren't 100% right so you got to assume that Hase is healthier right you got to assume that mm-hmm. Amy Craig yep. shows up right so yep. that changes up. Yep. There's like two new, like a more improved to say a healthier to say and an actual Amy Craig in there. Uh, on the men's side, I, I don't know how, I mean, most of the, I mean, you could argue that maybe career has a more, a year of more training yeah. at the marathon level. So it makes it more prepared, but I don't think, I mean, he's still finished in the top five. So I don't think that careers finish would have been that different. I do think the women's race would have been a little different with, you know, even, even if you look at, you know, someone like Emily Sisson, right? She was, we, everyone picked her in the top three, even though she only had one marathon under her belt, right? I think that yeah. you, know, you just, maybe she's more prepared. I just think the newcomers on the women's side are more prepared. The 
banged up women on, are more prepared and the women who didn't even show up actually show up because they have another year to get healthy. Um, you know, you can't, you know, no one wants to say the result will be different because that's taking something away from the people who finished in the top three. Uh, but I think that even if you run that race a day before or a day after, or it's going to be different. Like, Marathon results aren't of course, the same of course. every single time. So yeah. the top three would be different. I wouldn't say who wouldn't be in the top three, but the top three definitely would be different. Uh, and yeah. maybe we don't have the Molly Seidel story, but we have a different like story of someone else who shows yeah, up. You know, it's not like saying to replace Seidel yeah. with Amy Craig. You could replace Seidel with, you know, Kellen Taylor, right? And be like, wow, she made her first Olympic team. You know, stuff like that. So... I do think, though, the yeah. women's race will be better because the newcomers will be more sharp and the people who are hurt will be healthy. That's what I think. I think you would see more people in Nike Alpha Flies. I think that's one thing. I think people would would have gotten the chance to take home the pair that Nike gave and tested them out and seen the results in practice as opposed to just getting them the day or two days before. So if they would have not had the trials and had to rerun them, and uh, I guess, no, they wouldn't have had the chance to get the shoes, so maybe that plan doesn't work. But the shoes would have been out for a little bit longer, and I think some athletes that were <clears throat> unsponsored and maybe would have been on the fence about wearing them would have decided to wear them. So maybe that changes. Uh, I don't think the man up top changes. I think Galen Rupp, regardless of when and where the race is, it probably is the same. You're right that you, any scenario is going to change the results in, in order of some senses. My thing is logistically, though, would the course and location have had to change? You know, the original intent of having it in Atlanta and part of the selling point was that the course somewhat mimicked the marathon course in Tokyo. Well, then they moved it to Sephora and Sephora's flat. So would the argument have been... You know, we need to change the course and we need to put it in a, in a place that more closely mimics what they're going to see at the actual Olympic Games. <clears throat> and, may, you know, maybe Atlanta <clears> – <throat> I'm having to clear my throat, sorry. <clears throat> maybe Atlanta wouldn't have wanted to host it at that point. So uh, the, thank goodness that they got the trials in before basically two weeks later when everything started to be postponed. And, and you know, we really realized as a country the threat of the coronavirus um, because – you know, I, I don't know. I, I doubt Abdi would have been able to hang on for another, you know, another training. You know, the guy's 80. unbreakable. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe maybe he would. Maybe he would have. But, you know, I think it changes the, the team significantly. And it, it, it just throws a massive logistical wrench in it. You'd have to be talking about putting in a new location and there'd be arguments for that. It'd just be – it would have been a headache. So I think thank goodness that they got that race in, even if it means – that the team who qualified uh, is it was eighteen months ahead of when the actual race that they qualified for will take place. I don't care. It's it, it was a massive headache avoided by the fact that you got that race uh, in. So, whew, we we missed we dodged one bullet there. Yeah, I don't think they would have changed the location. I think they would have kept it. I think the statement of like, ooh, the reason for Atlanta is because it mimics Tokyo. Uh, but I also think that... That was just one of the selling yeah, points. Yeah, that was just one of the selling, selling points. I don't think they're going to... Hey, we're going to here now because of that one bullet point that was in their presentation document that they pitched. You know, they're going to be like, okay, well, mm -hmm. we're still giving you know you money to host it. We're still putting up the hotels. You know, we're still doing all this. Like, that's actually the more important part is 
the financial backing of Atlanta more than and the infrastructure of Atlanta more than oh it mimics the course you know so hmm hmm all right I have one final one and I don't know if this is my best one but it just feels I don't know feels like the way to go what if Mo Farah didn't go to the marathon after 2017 still on the track I realize again he would have only had one world championships would he have swept the 5k and the 10k in 2019 what are your thoughts there I think he would have had some L's he would have taken some L's I think he would have taken some L's I think he would have lost both the 5 and the 10 I Mm. mean you saw that he was losing a bit of step I mean he did it he lost the 5k diamond league right did he lose that? Well, I mean, most importantly, lost to he lost to Idris yeah. in, in the twenty seventeen World Championships in the five thousand. And I was very close. But, but like you, you think you think he would have taken his licks in the Diamond League and whatnot and then maybe would have been like, Oh crap, I need to retire or you know Yeah, I just think that Did like, he make the right decision going to the marathon? Well it's just like he was living off of his, you know, final four hundred, right? And he just yeah. There had yet to be another person who could match his 400 speed, you know, at the end of a 10K, at the end of a 5K. He, obviously, the tactician of him, of being in position, wasn't ever going to change. Like, you don't lose – the same with Centro. Centro is always going to be in the right position. But it's – so he already mm. – it's all about, like, is he every year, year in and year out, the best man in the world in the final 400? And eventually – you lose a little bit over time with age and people get better and better as they move up in age and move up in experience. And I think 2017 was like that moment where the competition, where he was coming down and the competition started coming up. And so he'd be here in the 2018 and 2019 seasons. And sure, there might be a situation where he could beat him, but uh, I do think that he would have taken two L's in 2019. And, you know... I think he went to the marathon because he timed it for a reason. Because he was like... He was scared. He was scared of that Joshua Chepta guy. I don't think he was scared. I think that, he was kind of like, hey, man, I have all these wins. Why go out with a bunch of, like, silvers, bronze, and fourths when you can go out with, like, you know, potentially two golds? I mean, that's not how he went out, but, you know. He wouldn't go into 2019 being like, hmm. hey, I'm going to add two golds. He'd be going to 2019 and be like, hey... Um, maybe I'll get one medal. You know, I don't know. Like, it's just people are better. See, I, I think he would have swept both in 2019. I'm of that opinion. I don't think it was because he was getting older in 2017 that he lost the 5,000. I think he just legitimately got... It was always close. Even when he was dominating the last four, it was always close when he was winning his races because they were tactical. And he just got beat by Idris. I think he made a mistake by going to the marathon. Obviously, he thinks that as well because he's coming back to the track. I, I, I think he would have continued to been the Mo Farah of old and and swept in in Doha. You know, it he I he been, showed he could win a somewhat moderately paced, pretty quick ten thousand when it was a sub twenty seven race in London, and. Uh, yeah, I think he would have come back and because I mean we saw in in what twenty eighteen, he won the Chicago Marathon. The guy's still very very fit, and you know he's had a couple tough marathons. It may just ultimately not be his his best race. So you think um, he would have swept? I I think I think he would have. Yes, I think he would have. I think he would have. I, I truthfully I truthfully believe that. I think his presence, even though you know people would have seen 
some, you know, kink in the armor, uh, chink in the armor, whatever you want to, kink in the armor, I don't know what the term is. Uh, they would have seen that in uh, London. I, I, I think he would have come back, and I still think he holds that psychological advantage, even over these newer guys like Chep the Guy and even Idris who had beaten him. I, he, he's 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 intimidating and and I, I think he would have found a way to 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 still win and I I still think he's the the guy to beat even over Cheptegei even though he's going to be thirty eight I still think Mofar is the man going into the twenty twenty one Olympics in the ten thousand I truthfully believe that I know that's a that's a take that some people aren't ready for my son wasn't even ready for that and he just walked into the in here while we were recording just flush the toilet yeah so, I, I mean he's just like that take that's a shit that take. take is so bad that i'm putting it down the putting it down the toilet so wait so you, hey you i had to save some of that, that fire Mo for Farah the end of this is the 2021 10k favorite that's my opinion yes that's that's what i think i think the man is still that good i think he's still fast he, he was a late bloomer and I think he holds that psychological advantage, and Chep, the guy's not ready for that smoke, you know? 38-year-old Mo Farah, who hasn't won a race since 2017. Tom, 18, he won the marathon. Can I, can I, can I mention two words well, here? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Still, in many people's eyes, the best quarterback in the world. 42 years old. He's five years older than Mo Farah. I think you listen. Farah was seriously considering. At least that's the way he made it seem. Maybe it was a prank. Coming back in 2019, I think you have to be self-aware and know that you would have had a shot to even consider that. I think he made a mistake by not doing it. I think he would have won. I think he would have won the 5,000 as well. And now he's getting a little older, and he's just going to focus on the on the 10 because he's been doing some marathon training. But I, I think that's how good the guy is. Let's not just because he got beat by Idris. Let's not forget how good he was for so many years. Yeah, he was like, good for so many years. He, but he like, weathered yeah. a lot of really good guys and basically put them in the can. And and, and you know, it's just, and, he's not in his prime right now. You know, he's not in his prime. <sighs> I mean, I, I listen. I'm I'm not in Ethiopia watching the man train. I don't I don't know that. You know, I don't know that he's not in his prime. Just because he went to the marathon and. I think you stick to the track and, until absolutely you get kicked out. I don't like the idea that, you know, that I didn't like when Bernard the God, even being whatever, 40-something years old, quit the track to focus on the marathon. You still won the Olympic trials in 2016 and was like top five in the Olympics. I don't care what your age is. And I think the same was for, for Mo Farah. I know the plan after 2017 was to go to the marathon, but just because most people do that after the track doesn't mean it's, it's good for everyone. You know I think why. it was a mistake for him because I think he why. was still the best in... I understand the cash. I get the cash. I get it. I, I understand. But if you're talking about golds, which what matters to these greats who don't need the extra money, remember, you know, I don't know, maybe they want a new sailboat, so they do need the money. I, I don't know, but... Uh, I think it's a mistake for just everyone to assume that leaving the I'm boring you with this take. Uh, the the to, the best decision for everyone is to go to the marathon. I don't I don't think that's that's in the way. And I still think the man in 2021 is the favorite. Are you willing to put watch some- out? And then he's going to come home, come home to Eugene, <laughs> his former home of Portland slash Eugene, and get that gold in 2022 at age 30. No, I don't know. If that's going to happen. You think he's going to? I admit this is a little bit of a hot take. You think he's going to win Olympic? Gold? No, I don't think he's going to win the world. T- you think he was going to win Olympic gold? Yes. Though, right? In the 10k. Yes. Is he going to run the five? Yes. 
Or just no, probably not. Just but do the 10. Uh, mm. yeah, just do the ten. Let's take it easy on some of these young guys, you know. Just do the ten. <laughs> yeah. Does he have the standard? Does he yeah. even get the standard? Well, so you got he's got to run what twenty seven twenty four. Yeah. I mean, where's he gonna on. do that? Bu. Bu. Oh, there you go. That's that's a good point. <laughs> Fifty laps at Bu track. He'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> so Mo Farah, the Tom, so is going to prove that he's the Tom Brady of the track by showing up at yeah. age thirty eight in Tokyo and smoke some twenty year olds. That's what you think is going to happen. Yep. Alright. I want to make a bet on mm-hmm. this. Can we make a, a friendly man's wager? You always want to bet. I, I do. I don't... I don't. Your financial situation will be better sure. by 2021, August. Right? <laughs> Fine. Your investments will yeah, be yeah, 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 more, yeah. more sound. Yeah. Vested. Um, sure. Put. We'll put 20 bucks on it. Right. 20 bucks that... I, I lose every bet to you. I, I lose every single we'll bet. We'll do a six-pack. So wagering money, I'm going to lose. A six-pack of beer. A six-pack. There you go. And I'll give you two there of the beer so I I'm, can drink I'm, four and you can drink two and we can enjoy the beers. <laughs> All right. Well, drink away my sorrows. I do not okay. think Will is going to win or even be the favorite going into mm-hmm. Tokyo 2021, but hey. That's, that's exactly where he wants him. Okay. That's exactly where he wants people to think he's not the favorite. So do you think... Okay. Uh, do you think the the Olympics being in twenty twenty one helps him or hurts him? Helps him. Helps I'll go that way because he gets he gets reacquainted with the track. Reacquainted with the track. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's a great. This this is some some great what ifs. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we talked about what if uh, Bolt loses to Gatlin. What if Semenya never got banned. What if the marathon trials didn't happen? What if Mo Farah never yep. moves to the marathon? And what if uh, Bekele ran three seconds ben, faster? Van Niekerk. And what if Van yeah. Niekerk never yep. got yep. hurt? A lot of good what ifs. Unfortunately, none of them happened. So what, no. what actually happened is what we're going to respect as the, the, the history books will respect. But in the Gordon Mack Lincoln Strike history books, we have that what if chapter where you can read and re-listen to this pod and enjoy our world of what athletics would have been like in these scenarios. Until next time, I'm Gordon. Email yeah. us, your Lincoln. Email us, flowtrackpodcast at gmail. Do you have any other great what-ifs? Maybe we'll talk about your what-ifs. Email the pod, flowtrackpodcast at gmail. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye. Bye.